0: How do you show up and speak out? POW invites you to join the Stoke the Vote movement, to engage, to show up at POW events, and to vote this November. We will host over 40 in-person events from coast to coast with our alliance of professional climbers, snowboarders, skiers, runners, and bikers. From our fall Stoke Fest film tour, to shop talks at climbing gyms, bike shops, and outdoor stores, to a college tour with Pow's founder and professional snowboarder, Jeremy Jones. We are fired up to connect and inspire you and the rest of the outdoor state. Pow and our Alliance of Athletes invite you to meet the moment, because midterms matter, now more than ever. Join us.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Life with Fire podcast, the podcast that explores our relationship with wildfire and how we can better coexist with it in the future. I'm your host, Amanda Monti, and today's episode is sponsored by Protect Our Winters, as you heard. Uh, They are sponsoring a series of episodes about how outdoor recreation is impacted by wildfire. And we've spoken to a few really great guests for this topic. Um, Our first episode in the series was with Jamie Irvin of the Outdoor Alliance. I highly recommend you guys go check that episode out as a sort of introductory episode to this series. Uh, We spoke with Dylan Oslager last week. He is an athlete with POW. This week, we're speaking with another POW athlete. This is kind of a bonus episode. Uh, We're speaking with Cody Townsend, who is a professional skier, professional athlete, lives in North Lake Tahoe, and I think he's a pretty good example of somebody who has taken their sort of position as a professional athlete, as somebody who might have a lot of Instagram followers, social media followers, and really built out some climate advocacy from that platform. So like I said, this is a bonus episode, and it was great to talk to Cody. It was sort of eye-opening to hear his experiences as an athlete and as somebody who lives in North Lake Tahoe an area that is kind of regularly impacted, if not directly by wildfires, then certainly by wildfire smoke and trail closures and things like that. So uh, we talked to him a little bit about how that impacts his career as an athlete. But beyond that, and kind of on a level that a lot of folks can probably relate to, we talked more about sort of community impacts and the psychology of always having this looming presence of wildfire or this looming potential for wildfire. And actually, when Cody and I chatted in late August, uh, there hadn't been many big fires in this area of California, in the area where he lives, northern Lake Tahoe. Um, But since we spoke, and actually in the last week or so, the Mosquito Fire has started burning and is presenting quite a bit of a threat in this area, not only to air quality, but to a variety of communities. Actually, this afternoon, I was watching a video with uh, Zeke Lunder, who does some forecasting, some some GIS work. He was a guest for us back in 2021, and he does some really good work through his organization called The Lookout. So if you're in the area that is impacted by the Mosquito Fire or could potentially be impacted by the Mosquito Fire, or maybe you're just curious about it, uh, go check out what Zeke's doing. Uh, follow him on Twitter. But I looked at some of the forecasting that Zeke was doing last night, some of the discussion, and we're also we're, we're seeing some blowups this afternoon on the Mosquito. Um, we're seeing you know, where we had kind of blue skies all morning today and it was kind of a reprieve from the last few days of really heavy smoke. Uh, I'm seeing some smoke kind of coming back into Reno now from where I'm working. So I'm really hoping things clear up here. It is mid-September and I hope for the sake of everybody who lives in fire adapted landscapes as well as the firefighters that this season starts winding down here pretty soon. So that all being said, uh, it's time to hear from Cody. This is a really quick episode, but we wanted to get his perspective on sort of those community impacts living in an area that sees a lot of wildfire and how emotionally exhausting that can be year after year and with kind of ever-worsening wildfire seasons. So let's hear from Cody. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Thank you so much to Protect Our Winners for sponsoring this episode as well as our last two and the next two. So thanks for sticking with us. Uh, We appreciate the support and we hope you enjoy this episode.
0: Yeah, so I grew up in California. And I think because of growing up in California, fire is always a part of your life. And I just remember being a kid and there was the Oakland Hills fire and fires you see in Los Angeles. But back then it felt like there were these major events that happened maybe once every five years or something like that. And it was like a headline national news kind of thing. Um, And you knew it existed. You were taught to be fire safe from a very young age, not play with matches in the woods or anything like that. But then as I've gotten older and have spent more time living in Tahoe um, now for 20 years up in the summer here, now it just feels like it's just a Everyday occurrence, like it's a thing that is happening um, almost on a weekly basis. It feels like it is in your mind all summer long now. And before, sure, fire was a thing, but now it feels like it's this ever-present force that never really escapes your mind. I mean, I kind of think about, you know, the end of winter and you're feeling the the warm rays of spring and you're just like oh that feels so nice to be skiing spring snow and feel warmth again and then it's like super quick right after that that moment you're thinking oh no now it's fire season
1: yeah i'm curious like i've never lived in a sort of fire adapted landscape i grew up in the midwest and moved to bellingham almost immediately um except for like a few summers doing fire stuff but like how does that affect your like, how does that affect your sort of psychology? Like you're always thinking about fire. Is that kind of exhausting in the summer? Like, what do you start feeling when you do start smelling smoke or when you do see a smoke plume on the horizon or something in in your backyard?
0: It's stressful to be kind of have this in your back of your mind of every day waking up and thinking about the wind forecast for that day thinking of the holiday weekend and the potential fires that might start because of a holiday weekend or just a natural occurrence, you know, I realize like I I make my living as a skier. So I check the winter forecast a lot. But these days, like I check smoke maps and summer forecasts almost as much as the winter now. Like I'm checking every day to see what kind of wind forecasts are out there. What are the fire hazards? And then see if there's any new fires that have started in our area. Like every day I wake up um, and think about like, hey, is it gonna be a smoky day? Are we gonna be in for smoke for the next month straight? Um, it's it's definitely a source of stress for sure.
1: Yeah, understandably. And especially with the Caldor being like kind of recent memory, were you guys evacuated for that?
0: we were not evacuated but it was the first time in my life I actually packed up the house because there was one specific day where it seemed like if the winds had turned any sort of direction uh the fire was going to be kind of enveloping the whole west shore of Lake Tahoe and then could come up north to where I live um it was uh it was definitely the closest I felt like okay things could change quickly here and it's interesting going through the exercise of packing up your house um, what is valuable and what is not Um, it's it's incredible because you find there's actually few things in your house that you're like this stuff I cannot live without Um, but then you start to if you got the time you start throwing in extra clothes you're like well I like this jacket I'll keep that one but (laughs) um, but more than anything like uh, it's a weird process we've written lists out we kind of have some go bags we have kind of it was good to go through that process but you're also thinking like man this is such a weird world we're living in where you pretty much have to have an emergency preparedness kit if you're living in the mountains and you're living in the forest to to go at the drop of a hat
1: yeah and what other ways are you kind of preparing your life for this sort of new reality of experiencing fires much more regularly than maybe you did in, in the past
0: well, I can say from personal experience, you know, I started, um, I'm renting a studio in Santa Cruz these days um, because I have a small child. My wife was pregnant last year. We were dealing with heavy, heavy smoke and you don't want to expose a young child and a pregnant mother to the levels of smoke and pollution that we were dealing with last year. So we were spending a lot of time at my parents' house in Santa Cruz last summer. And then going forward, I kind of feel like how Having like some sort of escape like I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough to grow up there and my parents have a little extra studio that I'm renting out now but it is specifically like yes I want to be in Santa Cruz sometimes but it's also been a, a very heavy factor in like if we get a month of smoke like I don't want my uh, kid to be De- dealing with PM 2.5s and uh, you know having a, a much higher likelihood of de- developing asthma because he was uh, raised where a summer where you know the, the smoke index AQI was above 200 for a month. So uh, little things like that. Um, but I'm also hearing more and more people that are factoring moving out. Of Tahoe and or having places that uh, you can escape to um, you know I talked to a bike shop owner uh, not too recently who is keeping his bike shop kind of afloat but he's moving away um, because of the fact like his business uh, the summer was always like he can make money in the summer winter was less dependable nowadays summer is less as undependable as winter because you might have two months of smoke and nobody is going to come up here and visit so I look at this like definitely a microeconomic level of like individuals going like no i i I need to get out of here to the macroeconomic level of being like this is really affecting the jobs the the economy and just the the livability of a place like tahoe
1: yeah i mean that's a pretty extreme that's just extreme psychologically to be like is this going to be the year that tahoe like gets hit really really hard um Is this the year that I use my business lose my business? Is this the year I lose my house? Like that is a really exhausting mindset to be in. I can't even imagine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it is. It is kind of stressful and it's funny. Like. I, you know, you try not to stress out about it, but man, I, sometimes I, I realize I wake up in the morning and I look out my windows. And the first thing I'm like kind of looking for is the color of the sky. And when you see blue skies, it kind of has a sense of relief, not just like, oh, nice. It's another beautiful day in Tahoe. Like it is most days you just feel like, oh, it's not smoke. Like even this morning, um, for some reason, my wife and I were smelling wildfire smoke this morning. And I didn't know if it was on like a shirt from, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago that I went camping in? Or is this like something already building up? And the kind of anxiety, like uh, Elise was walking up and down the stairs going, where's that smell coming from? But it's wildfire smoke. Where is this? close? Is this far? And you just, you're in this constant state of like, is it gonna happen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on like the really profound impacts, obviously, like not wanting your kid to get asthma is like a pretty significant, probably across the board, impact of of air quality and wildfires. Um, I'm curious, like, what your life as an athlete, like how your life as an athlete has maybe changed because of wildfires? Is there an impact there? Is there an impact in terms of forest and trail access or anything like that?
0: I mean, on the very most basic level, it's like I'm an athlete and I have to train physically for that. And these days it involves a lot of mountain biking and running. Well, when the AQI is over a hundred, like I'm not going to go out there and train and getting stuck inside for, for a month is not healthy. It doesn't, isn't good for your job. So you have to start thinking like, well, I got to go somewhere else. Um, when it comes to access, um, you know, we haven't had anything specific in North Lake Tahoe yet, but it kind of feels like yet is going to come. They've done some forest thinning actually behind our house. And I knew all all of the trails kind of got destroyed for like two years because they were doing the thinning. Um, So I haven't had too many experiences with, you know, destroying access into the wildlands that I go into, the reason why I live in Tahoe. Like if you you live in a place like this because you wanna go into the mountains, you wanna go into the woods, you wanna experience the lake. And the number one thing that's preventing that in the summer these days is wildfire smoke. And considering I would say of the last 10 years uh, at least half of those years have been severely degraded by heavy smoke for weeks to months on end. You're talking about like losing primary reason why we live in places like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what I'm hoping to really bring home this whole for this whole series is like, The community impacts are really profound, regardless of if you live in a mountain town. But a lot of the reason, the the reasons that we all live in these places, whether it's like a traditional mountain town or not, like Lake Tahoe or even like Quincy, you know, like the reason we live in these places is for that trail access, regardless of how, you know, how much of a profound sort of mountain town it is. Like we're not just talking about the bends, we're not just talking about um, the Lake Tahoes. Like these impacts are across the board, and I feel like hopefully everybody can kind of sense like. especially if they live in California or Oregon, Southern Oregon, like they can sense like, oh, this is impacting me. Even if I don't live, um, even if I'm not like a super athlete, even if I'm not like, you know, going out and doing these hobbies every single day, like if I'm going on walks in the woods, if I'm using national forest land for any capacity, like you are be, you are likely being impacted by this, these things. So, um, anyway, that's like a random tangent, but I am curious how you've sort of found your way into this advocacy work. Like I I do kind of consider you someone who does, you know some really good climate change advocacy and somebody who has kind of bridged into the wildfire conversation. And so just curious what what the influences were there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to care about these places and go into the mountains and, and the snow and not see the impacts and changes that are coming for him and to ignore them, I think it's impossible to. What to do about them is definitely the hardest question though. And I kind of set out little goals for myself. And I, you know, one of the primary things that I've tried to do um, is work on political campaigns and on the, uh, on the politics side. So, um, you know, I volunteered, fundraised, and helped a lot on the campaign of Jessica Morse, who is running for CA4. Um, and we talked a lot early on in her campaign before she even announced and uh, uh, some of the most major issues that we talked about as living up in Tahoe, the things that are I see are most key, was housing and wildfires. And now she's running the forestry department for California. So it was really good to kind of see that she had that on her platform for pretty much the Sierra, which she was going to represent. She didn't end up winning the election, but that was a primary campaign platform was talking about wildfire. That translated into a job now for the state government working as the head of forestries in California. So it's kind of nice to see that your impacts, your talks, direct communication with local politicians can have an impact. And I like to focus on some of those small things because I think there's measurable success that can happen from there. Um, when it comes to social media, I talk about it occasionally, but its I don't think it's necessarily always the best platform to incite change. Um, I truly think face-to-face conversations working for tangible results is the thing that's actually going to change things. So we have a chance this um, uh, this upcoming election for uh, for uh, Congressman Dr. Kermit Jones, who I'm kind of volunteering, doing the same thing for that will that is a climate change believer that believes in forestry management that um, that is outside of just logging, like our old uh, the Tom McClintock, who is a CA4 designation, pretty much just like, his fire wildfire solution was just log it, just cut down tons of trees, which. You're like, yeah, I mean, I guess we're not going to have forest fires if there's no trees, but we're also we're trying to keep the trees or at least the majority of them. So um, those are the things that I like to try to do, because, again, I think it's just impossible to look at the situation that we're living in and try to ignore the changes that are coming to us and the problems that we have as mountain community members.
1: Well, my last question is just if you have any. You touched on this a little bit in your last answer, but if you have any suggestions for action or advocacy for other folks in the outdoor community, um, I liked what you said about just like getting in person and talking to people, and not just focusing on social media. But um, did you have anything else that you'd want to add?
0: Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I think it's like set out one little goal for yourself. These problems that we have, like climate change, like fire managements they seem so daunting and they seem really really scary and things they can make you feel hopeless and they can make you feel like your little thing is not going to incite any sort of change but the thing is change comes from each individual doing tiny little things and all those things adding up into something big so if you do care about wildfire if you do care about climate change just set like one little goal for yourself whether that's like uh, helping a local politician or just going to community meetings, um, getting involved in some sort of local club, just one little thing. Those little things go really far. And again, I I emphasize outside of social media, just because it can, it can feel like you're doing stuff and you get a lot of comments and interactions, but I don't know exactly how much it changed. It, I can say it's a great tool to to get people together, to like create in-person meetings, but I think truly things that get done happen in person. So, so a set a little goal for yourself. Um, it can be the smallest things from recycling to saving up money for an electric car to volunteer for trail building days to just doing one little thing, I think is key to like continuing to uh, evolve as communities and make a better environment for us to live in.
1: All right, guys, that is what we have for you for this episode. Huge thanks to Cody for coming on the show, and I really encourage you guys to take Cody's advice and find those ways that you can get involved in person and try to make a difference kind of uh, in a new way if you can. Uh, so setting those goals, finding new ways to engage with your community, finding new ways to help build climate resilience or otherwise advocate for it, and you know, talking to your politicians or helping build trails or getting involved in your local prescribed fire association there's tons of ways that you can get involved and so I highly recommend that you guys heed his advice and find your own small way to get involved in the conversation and in this movement so thanks for listening if you want to support the podcast you can check out our patreon it'll be in this episode's show notes and please follow us on social media or share this episode with somebody who you think might like it so that's all we have for you today but thank you for listening and we will catch you on the next one